The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Tim Harrison, project manager for the ASX-listed Oro Verde, which trades under the code OVL. Now straight up, I've got to say the company plans a name change in March to Ionic Rare Earths to better reflect its main focus now on a rare earths project known as Makutu in Uganda. In a moment, I'll ask Tim to fill us in on the project and where it fits in the global push for new non-Chinese supplies of rare earths, which are, of course, critical for a new range of technologies and industries. On that score, it's been interesting to note recently that there's a lot more commentary on China's grip on rare earth supplies in the wake of the coronavirus and its potential hit on the supply chain. So with that, I'll welcome Tim to the podcast and thank him for his time today. G'day, Tim. G'day, Barry. Thanks for having me. Now, just before we dive into uh, Makutu and Uganda, Tim, uh, can I get you to give us a rundown on your technical background and your career before signing up with the company for the Rare Earths Push? Yeah, sure, Barry. So um, I'm a metallurgist, uh, chemical engineering at university and uh, spent the last 20 years in the mining industry had an opportunity to work on some some great projects over my 20 years, projects and operations. And I've spent the last five years working with Cleantech on the uh, process development for the Syaston, now uh, Cleantech's Sunrise project. Prior to that, uh, some time with Ivanhoe Australia and also uh, five years with BHP Billiton, WMC, uh, as part of their corporate technology division principally working on Olympic dam projects and, uh, and hydrometallurgical opportunities. So tell us what, uh, tell us more about Makutu and uh, as the proposed name change for the company suggests, why it's important to know that we're talking about an ionic clay resource here. That's right, Barry. So uh, Makutu is a great opportunity. It's a very, very large ionic clay uh, deposit. The ionic clay uh, effectively has the presence of uh, rare earth ions within the clay, hence the name. Um, and the process will be one whereby we effectively strip or desorb the rare earths from the clay with simple salt washing. So it's a very simple process. And so we're pretty excited by the opportunity uh, to, to bring on a very large scale project uh, with a very low capital and operating cost regime. Right. Now, is it is it correct to say that the Chinese industry, which uh, I mentioned earlier in the opening there, um, is essentially a, based on the same sort of uh, mineralisation? Yeah, that's right, Barry. So China has been dominating the rare earth market for, for, for a very long time, and they've been producing a lot of their rare earths, in particular their component of heavies, uh, heavy rare earths, out of their uh, ironic clay uh, projects in the south of China. So they've been very dominant in this space for a long time and um, it's helped them to get a foothold or pretty much take pole position on the control of the rare earth market. Um, When it comes to ironic clays, outside of China, we're aware of four major 
um, iron and clay projects, so peer projects. A couple in South America, one in Madagascar, and then obviously ourselves in Uganda. Right. Are those other ones uh, being actively pursued as uh, Makutu is? So uh, all three have had quite a deal of, of money and effort put into them. Um, Cerro Verde in Brazil has had a, a very large investment over a number of years. It's a large project. Um, potentially, it's about 500 million tonnes, um, which is somewhere where we would hope to get to, given our uh, exploration target. Um, that's about 500 million tonnes at about 900 ppm uh, rare earths. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bio in Chile, which is about 20 million tonnes at around about 560 ppm rare earths. They've both been very active um, and had a lot of investment from um, private equity groups. The other project is in Madagascar, uh, Tantalus. Um, However, that project uh, has been parked at the time um, as it is, um, I suppose, got some challenges given that uh, that the location of the project is effectively in in, in a wetland area. So ourselves being, I suppose, the new kid on the block as far as uh, rare earths are concerned, uh, as far as the iron and clay rare earth deposits are concerned. Um, I think we see ourselves as having a lot of upside to be able to to compare ourselves with with the top end of that uh, project portfolio. Mm. Now, <clears throat> this market would have a fairly good understanding of uh, hard rock rare earth, um, but I was just wondering these ionic clay resources, um, is it just in general broad terms, what sort of metrics are we looking at in terms of uh, capex, opex, cost of production vis-a-vis the hard rock supplies? Yeah, so um, so typically for, uh, for our application with an ionic clay, the mineralisation is close to surface, very shallow ore body um, and a very soft material. Therefore, the mining cost is going to be significantly reduced. It's a very even distribution. So um, when it comes to mining bulk, mining, bulk mining methods will be applicable for us. When it comes to processing, our processing is very simple. Um, effectively, we're taking the ore and we're washing it with a, uh, a salt solution, which is desorbing the rare earths from the ore. So there's no significant processing. There's no cracking of the minerals. Um, there's no grinding. There's no flotation. So we have a very simple flow sheet and it enables us to achieve a very low operating cost. And the simplicity of the flow sheet means a very low capital. Mm. Now, it's, uh, it has to be said that Uganda is uh, probably not on everyone's bucket list, uh, probably more through ignorance than anything else. But tell us uh, your impressions of the place and if the government is supportive of mining projects generally. Yeah, so um, through our network within Uganda, uh, we've been able to establish a number of parties that will help us to develop the project, uh, networks with, with local institutions, local government, um, which uh, will be able to leverage the, um, the experience and the know-how of working in Uganda to help us to uh, deliver the project. Um, Uganda's had a mining industry for a very long time um, and a stable mining industry. So we look at it as being a fairly safe jurisdiction for us to be able to, to move ahead with the project. Right. And whereabouts in Uganda are we talking and is it in a... Uh a highly populated area or is it out in the boondocks a bit? Yeah, so the, the site location, Barry, is located about 120 kilometres east of the um, the city of Kampala. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the site is typically it's in farmland. 
um, pretty stable environment, uh, pretty flat land. Uh, so as far as earthworks goes, it's, it's, you know, there's no big mountains and things like that that we have to navigate around. It's pretty flat. Uh, we've got good infrastructure. We've got highways uh, to the site. We've got uh, rail past, immediately past the site. We've got cheap hydroelectric power. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got availability of water and good communications. So as far as the location goes, um, we're, we're blessed in that the local infrastructure is there to be able to support a project of this size. Mm. Hydropower means you'll be able to produce green rare earths, which uh, given the way the, the world's going might be a, a, a good selling point for you in years to come. I think we'll be able to do, um, you know, there'll be a lot of favourable components to this project you know, as far as being able to put our foot on a low capital, low operating cost rare earth supply, um, it really puts us in a great position uh, to be uh, market leaders in the production of rare earths. Mm. What's the fiscal regime there like? Uh, look, uh, I probably haven't got enough detail uh, on that one to be able to answer that, to be honest, uh, Barry. Um, I know that they've been uh, putting together a, a an updated mining code uh, and a mining policy, but as that, uh, I suppose, with that one, it's it's still doing the the, the rounds internally within Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably one that I don't feel comfortable to talk about at this point in time. Right, but uh, well, I presume it's sufficiently attractive for the company to have entered into the into the project. That that's right. I mean, if we were to look at the the stability of the the local environment uh, as far as the political landscape mm-hmm. and the existing royalties and tax regime when it comes to mining it's pretty stable and well defined um, and we'll continue to monitor any potential changes to legislation that may be put forward but at this stage we feel very comfortable with the the foundations on which the project will be moving ahead with so now to uh, where to now for the project. I see it's sufficiently advanced for a scoping study to uh, be kicked off. And as we know, the ASX wants everyone to be careful with scoping studies nowadays. But can you give us a feel for just how significant a project you've got on your hands here in terms of the rare earths market? Yeah, uh, Barry, I think this one is going to be a, uh, a very, very large deposit. Um, we're at the moment working through completion of the maiden um, mineral resource estimate. Um, our feeling is that it's going to be a, a certainly significant size for us to be able to underpin a scoping study. Um, we will uh, commence some additional activities that will help us to better define the scoping study. The scoping study will probably run for the next six to eight months, uh, so we'll be aiming to have that completed within the third quarter of this year. And pending the, the positive outcome that we expect, uh, looking to to move this project into development, um, given the, the low capital and low operating cost regime that we foresee. We've got uh, a number of activities that we will do in parallel to the scoping study um, to make sure that we're able to, to develop the project. We've got um, a number of um, third-party discussions that are happening um, on the corporate side of things uh, to be able to, to liaise with uh, product offtake um, and establishing good connections into the market. And uh, all of those things we expect will feed into a very positive project for, for Oro Verde, which will soon be Ionic Rare Earths. Now, um, 
quite often with uh, projects like this, it's it's not uh, resource constrained. It is really all about securing offtakes. So you were saying that do you see uh, non-Chinese markets being your target or are you happy to uh, entertain offtakes with the outcomes? I think uh, every option's on the table and I think uh, given, I suppose, what we're seeing at the moment with the, uh, the strength of the control that the Chinese have over the rare earth market and the impact of the coronavirus, I watched a very interesting interview yesterday with uh, Jack Lifton uh, where he talked about the the potential impact that this uh, coronavirus is having on on the on the supply of critical metals. Um, certainly, rare earths is going to test that supply chain, mm. and I think we're going to be in for a very interesting few months as it's going to take some time for I think the market to um, to recalibrate, given this significant hiccup that's occurring right now in the supply of critical metals, specifically uh, rare earths. Mm, okay. And uh, at a personal level, will you be taking up residency in Kampala or will you be initially working uh, from Perth? Uh, so initially, I think we'll be, I'll be looking to define the size of the project and the, the regime under which I suppose is best for, for the project and for, for Oroverde. Mm. Um, and then we'll, we'll reassess as we develop the project and take it forward. Um, at this stage, I've got no plans to, to move to, to Kampala and uh, I'll continue to just basically drive this one as best we can to uh, lay a foundation for a really good business, um, an economic project and something that will be, um, I suppose, iconic for uh, Ionic Rare Earths. Now, we've mentioned that um, Rare Earths back on the uh, strategic watch radar um, but there was some uh, weakness through the back of uh, back half of last year i'm just wondering from your perspective uh, what's your gauge of interest in the, in the sector at the moment uh, you know is this strategic imperative of non-chinese supply still willing the roost amongst the investors um, i think strategically everybody will want to be independent of of chinese control on rare earths and I think that this will naturally play out over the course of the next few years. Um, those that move quickly to secure projects of, of this sort of size um, and this type of low capital, uh, low operating cost, rare earth supply uh, will set themselves up um, for a more insulated experience when it comes to rare earth supply. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of corporate activity in this space and that given the, the control that China has and the strategic importance of rare earths, mm. that we'll probably see that, uh, that governments um, will take strategic positions in, in such projects purely to secure supply for their own technological development. Mm. Uh, one of my uh, key takeaways from our chat is just how advanced this project uh, seems to be so there must be some history there what's what is the snapshot of the, the history of the project so the history um, of the project uh, previous uh, owners or the, the our partners um, that that Oroverde is earning into the project with have had the project for a couple of years they've completed some preliminary works initially a bit of drilling uh, about 3,000 meters of drilling and uh, initial metallurgical test work which gave Oroverde um, a bit of confidence when, when they first 
appraised the project. Subsequent to that, the, the work that's been undertaken over the last six months by Oroverde in validating the due diligence information, um, the drilling, the MET test work, has continued to exceed expectations. And so as a result of that and the work that's been put into the, uh, into the project over the last six months and the market, uh, we feel very confident in where this project is going to go um, and the, the foundations of the project are solid. Um, we see a lot of upside in the data that we've got so far. And so it's very exciting to be part of this uh, project and, and, and leading the effort to develop this project from an exploration target today to ideally a producing uh, facility in the next uh, short while. Um, we'll be very keen to get this into production as soon as possible. Again, if I could, uh, just on the timetable, in an ideal sort of world, and assuming support from the market, equity markets and offtakes, etc. Um, in your ideal world, uh, when could first production occur? Well, in my, my preference is actually to go through the, the scoping study phase, make sure that we, we, we look under all the rocks and, and pick the right process uh, and do the right work to get a handle on what we think is the optimal flow sheet. And then I'd be very confident in moving straight to a demonstration plant. Um, I predict that uh, my feeling is that this is going to be a low capital, low operating facility, so perfect to uh, evaluate via a demonstration plant. Uh, demonstration plant gives us a lot of really robust data to be able to move forward with the project evaluation and then uh, pending a very successful demonstration plant it then provides us with a launch pad to go directly into operations and to scale up the facility um, obviously we need to be able to do the right work to be able to move ahead and satisfy our requirements with the Ugandan government and the local community mm -hmm. And that'll be a focus um, of activities for the next 12 months. Uh, I'll be in Uganda next week to, to initiate some of those discussions, to loop in with the local community and local government and to, to start to lay the groundwork for making sure that we, we do the right work and we engage with our stakeholders. Um, I think there's a tremendous opportunity to move forward with a low capital, low operating environment um, on this project. The ability to demonstrate and provide a, a platform for the market to evaluate um, the process and the project fundamentals and economics, uh, it's a great opportunity. Okay, there we go, folks. We've, ionic as it will become, could uh, well be on its way to becoming an iconic rare earths producer in short fashion. So with that, I'm going to thank Tim for his time today and good luck with it all. Thanks, Barry, and uh, yeah, appreciate the chance to talk to you about the project. Thanks. Sir.